The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931 381 2663 or visit mtbj.net. Good morning, Columbia. <laughs> a little different voice than you used to hearing right about this time on these airwaves. I'm Maurice Patton. Welcome into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic. Um, again, a little different voice here. Chris Yao on a much needed break. JP Plant running things, and between the two of us, we're going to see if we can get through this Friday morning. And as Chris would tell you, it's a beautiful Friday morning out there. It's about 50 50 degrees here in Columbia outside the studio here on West 7th as traffic cones continue to be up out there and paving still to be done. You can actually see that this morning. I can actually see that this morning. You're actually looking at the window. I'm sitting in the big chair, (laughs) you know. Um, So, yeah. You nice looking out there. Keeping it warm for Chris, right? Well, somebody's got to do it, <laughs> you know. So, um, got a um. I think we got a pretty good show today, even without Chris. <laughs> um, despite Chris's absence, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we've got Teresa Walker from the Associated Press coming up in the next segment to talk a little bit about the Titans. In the second hour, we've got former Vanderbilt offensive lineman Bruno Reagan, who now works with VandySports.com. Going to check in with him on a um, a fairly significant football game this weekend and also on um, the pros- progress of the search to replace Derek Mason at the head of the Commodores football program. A um, bunch of other stuff. It's... it's um, it's been an interesting 24 hours, JP. Um, the news from um, the Southeastern Conference offices that they will have a new television partner coming up here in about three years. Um, among other things, one of the biggest things is this is the first Friday since we have been on these airwaves that high school football has not been the centerpiece of our discussion. That is that is a valid point. Something I had not realized this morning. But you're right. Yeah. 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 So. We uh, we put a nice little bow on the 2020 football season uh, last week in uh, in fine style with a couple of state championship uh, articles on sm-tnsports.com with Fayetteville and of course Summit. So uh, yeah, uh, it's it's on to the next. On to the next man up. Next man up. And, as and they that say. next man would be on the hardwood basically. Mm-hmm. So. Um, We'll run you through our weekend basketball schedule as well. But um wanted to talk real quick um, again as we've got Teresa Walker with the Associated Press coming in with us in the next segment. Little NFL football last night. A little shocking NFL football last night. Some might say revenge. Uh, this you know, it, it, it's a long time since that Super Bowl uh, the, game. A, a lot of the players yeah. literally have uh-huh. changed yeah. on both sides of that one. But um, yeah, the Rams um, with a big win at home last night, twenty-four to three over the New England Patriots. Twenty-four to three. Twenty-four to three. Uh huh. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Cam, Cam Newton wasn't uh, the old Cam Newton last night. He he wasn't the old Cam Newton. He wasn't the new Cam yeah. Newton either, I don't think. <laughs> um, wound up being um, benched for another former Auburn quarterback. Jarrett Stidham came in and finished up um, after a um, – a pick six thrown by Cam. I think it's his first of the season. But um, regardless of that, Cam wasn't playing defense. No. No, he was and not. apparently no one else was either. Cam, Cam Akers. There was a new Cam in town last night. Yeah, <laughs> a different Cam getting it done. Cam Akers out of Florida State, 171 rushing yards for the Rams in that victory. Yeah, uh, what little I watched of this game last night, Mo, uh, I saw the uh, early, uh, well, really it was the entire third quarter drive by the Rams. They got the football for the first time in the second half with about 11 uh, minutes and change to go, and they didn't give it back up till about a minute or less in that uh, third quarter following uh, a touchdown that made it, um, well, made it 24-3. to That was the f- the last score of the game. Uh, they dominated that drive. Cam Akers was the feature back uh he had a majority of those carries in that drive, and uh, it it took a long, long time. And it was odd to see somebody methodically dominate a New, a New England, England defense. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, whatever of the game you watched was more than I watched. <laughs> Just to be, I saw enough of that though. That yeah. was that was all you needed to see. Well, for full disclosure, but um, Aaron Donald had a sack. He's got twelve and a half on the year. Uh, the Rams allowed 62 second-half yards, six sacks on the night. Mm. So, On Cam know. Newton. Well, and, and Jared yeah. Stidham. But, yeah, most of that on Cam Newton. Uh, Cam, Cam doesn't look healthy at all. You know, and, and he may not be, you know, coming off of that injury that he had last year at Carolina. And I think he really wanted to get somewhere and try to prove himself this time around. Thought that would happen in New England has not necessarily been the case. He's really been up and down. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate for a lot of reasons. I think there are a lot of people that wanted to see Cam succeed in New England, and right now that is not being the case. They're 6-7 and seven on the year, and looking up at the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and the Bills. And the yeah. Bills, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and who to thunk. Mm-hmm. So, you know. The Patriots, on the on the outside looking in at postseason play, if if the season ended today, and in twenty twenty that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. So, um, you know, interesting outcome there. Like we said, um, Titans coming off of an. Interesting outcome this past weekend. Again, we're going to talk a little bit more with Teresa Walker about that here in the next segment. Um, JP, what else is on your mind this morning? Well, you know, uh, of course, uh, something that we'll obviously get into um, SEC football. You mentioned about that contract with ABC and ESPN. Uh, I'm always fascinated by sports media. Uh, obviously, I've, I've uh, dabbled in that in my previous career, if you will. So um, it's a little close to the vest uh, for me, but I'm always fascinated with how those things work and how they play out and, and what it looks like. Um, you know, could we see uh, that typical, you know, we're so ingrained as SEC football fans, the big game, 230, 
Saturday afternoon on CBS. It's become appointment football, uh-huh. yes. literally. Yeah, and and we we built our mm-hmm. you know our rhythm on that on Saturdays, college football Saturdays around that. It's it's so true. Um, your whole Saturday of college football viewing is built around that two thirty game. Mm-hmm. If you're an SEC fan, and some non SEC fans, uh, that's going to change. Uh, the network obviously will change. The question is, will the time change? You know, ABC has that primetime game. You got Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, so that that's of interest uh, to me. Of course, the Vandy coaching search, and I'm curious to see what Bruno Reagan, because it feels like it's been a little quiet since we had Chris Lee from VandySports.com. Mm-hmm. Last week there was all this ramp and, and so much interest, and there still is, and I'm hearing new names every day. Which makes, as a Vandy fan, makes me feel good mm-hmm. that there are uh, some serious candidates that are interested. So I'm curious to see um, what that looks like. I'm going to tell you, coming from a print journalism background, mm-hmm. quiet isn't good <laughs> for those that are trying to cover it. But I think quiet is good from an administrative standpoint because that means they've got things buttoned down mm-hmm. and you know those 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 people that have you know back channel things previously either aren't involved or have been really leaned on to to keep things to themselves and you know i i think the process works best really again from a print journalism background mm-hmm. it doesn't help help <laughs> us so to speak when nobody's talking about that kind of thing, but uh, I think it it provides for a cleaner process. I, I think that very point you just made um, makes me feel even better because if the administration, the ones that are handling this job search, of course, you know, they mentioned they were hiring a, a search firm. I'm assuming they have. But uh, the fact that it is quiet means if they can handle their business with this process means – they kind of know what they're doing, which lends you to believe that they can select the right coach. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. I think in this era of COVID, I think a lot of their process is Zoom-related. Mm-hmm. And so there's no there's no planes to chase down. There's no plane logs. Yeah. So <laughs> that um, that is something that has been leaned on heavily throughout the, the recent history of tracking coaching searches and that kind of thing and you don't have that so unless you've got somebody's ip address uh-huh. or something like that it's 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 really tough to um really be in the know and and track things along those lines that may be the next uh underground research journalism angle is ip address have you ever uh gone plane chasing or hung out at an airport i have not okay. fortunately yeah <laughs> I, I can't imagine that would be fun yeah, it, it can't be <laughs> There's there's no way possible that can be fun. I have, you know, work phones and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but I've not been involved in it to the point of chasing down planes <laughs> and seeing who's coming in and coming out and that kind of thing. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for I feel bad for Adam Sparks. Uh, you know, yeah. Mike Oregon went through a boatload of these. You know, it's it's not fun and it consumes you because Everybody wants to know every little thing, mm-hmm. and anytime you don't have that little thing, you feel like you've, you know, missed out. It's like you were derelict in your duties or something just because 
some name came up that you weren't aware of. Yeah. I think that's, you know, like you said, we saw a wave of names initially, and now it's kind of starting to level out a little bit. You know, there's there will be a name to come up here or there. You know, somebody threw Scott Cochran out there earlier this week, which I thought was ridiculous. But, hey, what? <laughs> who am I and well, what do I know? That's right. But, yeah. um, you know, kind of a, a name that uh, is familiar, but one of those at first glance, you think, what in the world? Why would they do that? Jeff Fisher is, I mean, now he's obviously extremely interested. Well, no surprise. Obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the fact that it's getting some play – I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that that would be the best course. Uh, but it just goes to show that this Vanderbilt, this Vanderbilt football program and administration apparently has a different reputation than those that have preceded it, I don't know, the last half century in terms of the, uh, you know, how uh, outside people are perceiving the opportunities within Vanderbilt. Hey, well, what, what has really impressed me about this situation is, and again, we talked about this even with Chris Lee when we had him on last week, um, the names that you're hearing are people who have shown interest in the job. It's not that Vanderbilt is chasing exactly. them. It's that they are, to some degree, chasing Vanderbilt, and they are coming from successful backgrounds either as head coaches or as you know high level assistant coaches coordinators um coming off of major you know highly successful staffs that kind of thing and i think vanderbilt is swimming in a different pool for this coaching search than perhaps they have in any previous search. It, it, certainly in my lifetime, Mo. Yeah. I mean, you know, I go back, George, um, yeah, George McIntyre mm -hmm. obviously was uh, what I came into the world with, and my first Vanderbilt um, experiences were with uh, with him as the coach in 1982, beating Tennessee on that wet artificial turf that they had at Dudley Field. And so, you know, but – all through that, I mean, even James Franklin, I mean, he was an offensive coordinator, a head coach in waiting at Maryland, but still did not have head coaching experience. Um, the only head coaching experience guys that they have gotten in the past have been from the lower level, mm -hmm. like Bobby Johnson right. uh, from uh, the FCS division, Furman. Furman. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they've had some NFL assistants that have come in. Rod Dowhower, remember that? Uh, Woody Thanks obviously for reminding yeah, me, by the way. Woody obviously uh, had some flair. Uh, we lost him this year, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, but uh, those were good times under Woody. Jerry DiNardo was maybe one of the biggest names. Um, and the second that, uh, you know, he got some success, and, and at Vanderbilt that was five wins. Right. Five and six. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't beat Tennessee, though. Uh, he that team to the east. Yeah. He, uh, he bolted to, uh, I say bolted, uh, LSU grabbed him up. Um, no, you could be right. He probably bolted. I mean, he, uh, yeah. He, he, he still did, LSU had to want him. He didn't have to have his arm twisted. No, though. no, yeah. He didn't have to think twice about yeah. that one. So, uh, th you're right. This is different. It feels different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and it feels like it feels like they are going to get a good coach without having to reach. Exactly. You know, I mean, from the names that you're hearing. Uh, they have a chance to make a really good hire, it feels like. Sounds like they have a chance to select their 
their first choice. Could be now, I don't know what preconceived whoever that is. Yeah, I don't know what preconceived, you know, every athletic director that's worth anything always has a list that I'm told. Now, whether they have a an actual list in their drawer, but they have in the back of their mind, you know, if a coaching change happens, who would you pie in the sky want to get as your next coach at said program? And I'd like to think even more so for the Vanderbilt administration yeah. <laughs> this year when you consider and and I think Derek Mason's a great guy. Mm-hmm. But when you consider the struggles of that program under him, I think it was even more critical that you do have that list. Because I've always said, if you're going to fire a guy, you need to have some kind of idea who you're going to replace him with. And so from that standpoint, I think it was important that somebody on West End have that list and and have some sort of an idea. Now, whether any of these people was on it or not, because, again, you know, you keep hearing Will Healy, you keep hearing Jamie Chadwell, and I never would have thought either of them would be interested in this position. But it's clear that there is interest on their part. And as someone told me, it's not microscopic. Mm -hmm. So, you know. (laughs) That's a good sign. Um, Good sign for Vandy. Um, And, you know, uh, of course, uh, another topic that, um, you know, is kind of rumbling around, the news, of course, the Big Ten, Ohio State, uh, and uh, them waiving the Big Ten, that is, waiving that six-game minimum <laughs> to play in the Big Ten championship game, uh, you know, making up rules as we go. We, we touched on a little bit yesterday uh, that. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm anxious to see what Teresa Walker has to say because I'm, I'm still optimistic with the Titans. Um, the defense, man, it worries me, though. And um, – I don't know. It's uh, I'm anxious to see kind of where she sees this uh, this team at this point of the season. Uh, they've got an excellent shot with a um, you know a manageable schedule to end the season uh, to put themselves and keep themselves in that number or that South uh, Division Championship to be one of those top four seeds to get a sure. home playoff game, which I think is going to be critical. I think that is critical. You're right. And um, when we come back. From this break, we will get Teresa Walker's insight into this Titan situation. So um, let's go ahead and go to this break. And again, when we come back, we'll have Teresa Walker from the Associated Press to talk a little Titans as they head to Jacksonville. At one time, their second home, according to Jeff Fisher. So, um... You're with us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Come on back. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. 
They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey, welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, J.P. Plant. Pushing the buttons and making it all sound good over here. Chris Yao again um, in points unknown, taking some <laughs> must need uh, much needed time off. Actually, we do know where he is, and we've heard from him this morning because even on vacation, this guy's listening. I guess he's got nothing better to do. Personally, I'd be asleep. But uh, know, yeah, well, they me. they are an hour ahead of us, so maybe maybe oh, okay. he did get a little okay, shut out. Okay, that's so. it. Okay, so it's ten twenty five where yeah, he is. That's so right. that's why he's yeah. up. He's stoking the fire. Like I said, stoking the fire. Place. I'd be asleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that hour doesn't mean I know you and me both, Bo. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still it's still nine twenty five where I'm typically right. waking up at. So yeah, um, we are efforting to get Teresa Walker with the Associated Press on the phone. Um, hopefully, we will be able to get her. Since we've pumped her up here in this first segment, <laughs> uh, she'll come through. I, I have faith in her. We'll, we'll keep working on it. Yeah. Um, anyway, in the process, again, Titans with what is now a big game, shouldn't be a big game, is a big game. The eight and four Titans travel to one and 11 Jacksonville. And um, as much as the Titans need this win, heck, the Jaguars probably need this loss, so it should work out well. Um, In terms of draft positioning and that kind of thing, looking across the NFL, the Jags and the Jets kind of vying for that number one spot in the 2012 – I'm sorry, in the 2021 draft. So – Big game for Jacksonville for completely different reasons than it is for the Titans. Yeah, Jacksonville's uh, they they've they've got uh, next year on their mind and, and things to prove. Got uh, to try, yeah, it's um, but you know as a, as a division rival, uh, certainly spoiler could play a piece of that. Um, you know, if, if the roles were reversed, I'm sure the Titans would feel the same way. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, they've played three different quarterbacks this year. There's a guy out there named Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, a loss looking playing the long game wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen for the Jaguars. <laughs> right. but, but um, one they should be used to, though. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, the Titans eight and four, leading the AFC South, um, split with the Colts. They have been in this position earlier this year against a team that it looked as if they had overmatched. And Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, speaking of young quarterbacks, proved otherwise. So while you would like to think this is in the bag for the Titans, as we've been told numerous times during Mike Vrabel's reign as coach, it's tough to win a game in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, And and I – you know, I think as fans, sometimes we we forget that, that despite the records um, of NFL teams, 
there there's still there's not a whole lot of difference between top to bottom in most cases because you know these are the best of the best and um uh, that's that's just the way it goes it, it is a fine line that's why you see point spreads aren't that big rarely typically yeah and uh and pretty spot on and, and typically pretty close and and that's why when there's a two or three touchdown uh division in a game uh it's it's kind of seen as wow well that was unexpected so yeah i mean as you say the jaguars lost this past weekend in overtime to minnesota 27-24 at minnesota so yeah any given sunday that's right obviously and and i mean clichés are clichés for a reason <laughs> right. because they're they're true more often than not and that's right. Well, while while we wait uh, to try to get Teresa in, I, I've got the playoff picture uh, pulled up. If you want to kind of uh, see what that looks like, uh, Mo, we can discuss that. Let's see what that looks like. Um, AFC, we've got one that has clinched a spot. That's the Chiefs. They're eleven and one, by the way. So they have clinched a spot. Okay, hold up, hold up, uh-huh. hold up. So what you're telling me is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were undefeated until last week have still not clinched a playoff spot. That yet. is correct. That division. Wow. That's a good division. Yeah. Um uh so yes, and uh, the Steelers are 11 and 1 and you know it's interesting while the Chiefs have clinched if it ended today, they you know the quotes if it ended today, the Steelers mm-hmm. would still be the one seed. Chiefs would be the two. What's that based on cuz they've not played each other? Uh I don't know. Um but uh, the Steelers would have um, whatever tiebreakers that they roll through. Apparently, the Steelers maybe conference opponents, conference you know that's, wins against a conference. That's intriguing. So Kansas City has che- has clinched. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has not. Yep. But Pins- Pittsburgh would be the number one seed. Correct. And a lot you know that also is um, you know if all the relative ended today. Correct. And and all relative to the division that you play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs are in a less uh, contested division than the Steelers. The Steelers are in a uh, tough division this year. Um, the Bills are uh, would be the three seed right now, and the Titans would be the four seed. And you know who they would face? Uh, well, hang on. That would be uh, – now let's see. Yeah, because the one gets the bye, so mm-hmm. it would be – Two, seven, three, six, four, five. Four, five. Okay. So, you know who the Titans would play? Indianapolis. No, the Cleveland oh. Browns. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they would get the Browns. A nice rematch. Nice for who? Uh, it was, for Cleveland? a good point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it would be back in Nashville. Titans would get that home game. I'm sure Cleveland would appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they seem to like it uh, uh, down here. <laughs> so that means the Browns are five. How about this? The Miami Dolphins would be the sixth seed right now. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Brian Flores. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a big turnaround because they were putrid, putrid for several years. For a long time. Yeah. Um, and the Colts would come in as the seventh seed. Um, and, and remember, we've got uh, an extra yeah. an extra team. Is that something that's going to go forward, or is this because of 2020? I think you know? it's because of 2020. I don't think they've said anything past 2020, you know, kind of like the DH uh-huh. in the National League for this past year. They've still not said whether they're going forward with that in the middle of an offseason. Thanks, Rob Manfred. <laughs> be kind of hard to pull that back, though, wouldn't it? I 
think that's what ultimately is going to be said. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of tough to get that genie back in the mm-hmm. bottle. Um, and I felt like that was going to be the way it went once they unveiled it in the middle of, you know, for this season that, that it was going to be here to stay. And I'm a non-DH guy, generally speaking, but as a Braves fan, it's kind of tough to argue with Marcel Ozuna. That's true. Yeah. So they, they, they had a DH. <laughs> they, they, we, we did have a DH. Yeah. And um, it'd be nice to have him again. But if he's not a DH, it's tough to justify signing him. Yeah. So, again, that's going to make for an interesting offseason that we're halfway through. Thanks, Rob Manfred. <laughs> okay. Back to by, the NFL. By the way, uh, real quick, on, did you know that the NBA has preseason basketball tonight? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I did not. Yeah, how about that? All right, uh, back to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch uh-huh. up on that. Back yeah. to the NFL. Uh, here are the teams that are in the mix, on the bubble, if you will, in the AFC right now. This is where they stand. The Raiders are in the eighth spot, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Baltimore Ravens are out of the playoffs if it ends today. So they are in third place behind Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Correct. They are seven and five. And Pittsburgh eleven and one. Cleveland nine and three. And the Ravens are seven and five. Now they're tied, obviously, with the Raiders, but the Raiders have that um, that tiebreaker, uh, whatever that may be. Again, mm-hmm. um, so so the Ravens are there. Uh, they need to obviously get a better record than the Raiders. So they mm-hmm. have, um, but then they also um, their game behind the Colts, who are in the seven seed. So they've got two teams to jump. And they're the not four. in the division with either of them. I wonder if That's they correct. have games with either of them. Um, I can uh, maybe find out here real quickly. Um, well, I'm not clicking. I'll come back to that. All right. I'll come back to that. We'll uh, we'll take a look at the schedule. Uh, the Patriots that uh, with their loss last night that puts them six and seven. They're third in the AFC East. Uh, and they're definitely they, behind the eight ball. Uh-huh, in yeah. Terms of oh yeah. Season. Um, behind uh, many of those, both striped and solid colors on that pool table. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're in the 10, the Broncos, and then the Texans. Um, they're all technically still in play, uh, but uh, looking a long way out. Yeah, and those Texans, um, the Titans still have a game with them. After this game at Jacksonville on Sunday they finish up um, against Detroit here at home at Green Bay and at Houston. So Houston hoping that final game can mean something for them. And wouldn't that be crazy if it did, given the way they started the year and firing Bill O'Brien and installing Romeo Cornell as mm-hmm. the as the interim coach? You'd asked about the tiebreakers. I do have the NFL tiebreaking procedures pulled up. And here's where we stand because we talked about Pittsburgh and uh, Kansas City both with 11 mm-hmm. and 1 records. But Pittsburgh, if it ended today, would be the one seed. The number one tiebreaker, the division champion with the best record. Well, they got the same one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the division champion with the second best record. Well, that doesn't fix anything. The division champion with the third best record, division champion with the fourth best, fourth best record, the wild card club with the best record, and then the wild card club with the second best record. Uh, so that's how they go through. Now, to break a tie within, um, let's see, division, three or more, uh, two clubs. All right. 
head to head if applicable. Which it's not. I don't think it is with the, with uh, that particular scenario. Mm-hmm. Best one loss tied percentage in games played within the conference. So conference. Okay, so uh, Pittsburgh probably has a better record in conference. They must have a. Um, they, yeah. They're undefeated in. That's true. In their division. That's true. Whereas Kansas City lost to Vegas that's earlier correct. this year. That so is correct. Is. So there you go. So that's how uh, that would happen now. Um, so um, so that gets us uh, to that. Uh, we'll take a quick look at the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints have clinched uh, a playoff berth. They are 10-2 and two on the season. Uh, they are the only to clinch in the NFC. So right now we just have one AFC, one NFC team to have clinched. The Saints would be the one seed at 10-2. and two. Um, Teams yet to clinch, but here's where they would stand if it ended today. The Packers would be the two seed with a 9-3 and three record. The Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, a three seed with a 9-4 and four record. Because they played last night. Correct. And how about this? You know, mm-hmm. you win your division. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how putrid the division is, you're, you're getting, guaranteed you, a top-four spot. And a host. Uh huh. First round um, wild card weekend. The New York Giants mm-hmm. at five and seven would be the four seed, and um, uh, their um, their prize would be the Seattle Seahawks coming to uh, the Meadowlands. The Seahawks at at the Giants. No, and what's their record? Uh, eight and four. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why you know every year this comes up once you establish your playoff teams. You, you probably just need to seed them based on records overall. I don't know that division champions necessarily deserve that protection, particularly when one of them is five and seven. It, it's tough. Um, and, and, and you're right. Maybe the sheer fact that you win your division gets you into the playoffs, but that's, that's all. Because if, if you just take the seven best teams, the Giants would not be in there based <laughs> on record, right? So, you know, hey, that's so, that's. I mean, you, you I, I get think in. you deserve to get in yeah. if you win your division. Absolutely. But, but I mean, how do you justify the Seahawks coming all the way across the country mm-hmm. to play a team that's I think clearly it's worth, worse? Than I that. think it's worth looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Seahawks are the number five then. Seahawks number five. Um, Tommy and the uh, Buccaneers <laughs> are uh, TB twelve. TB twelve are number six at seven and five. They're second in the NFC South. Um, and then the Minnesota Vikings are currently locked into the seventh seed at six and six, and they're second in the NFC North behind the Packers. Wow! So the Vikings would be in there. So uh, so that would um, so the Giants, the four five. Obviously, we mentioned the Buccaneers would travel to the Rams, and the Vikings would travel to the Packers. Vikings Packers. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's always fun. If it ended today. Now, here's uh, the teams on the bubble. Mm-hmm. So, we mentioned the Vikings 6-6 six and six at the 7th spot. The Arizona Cardinals also 6-6, six and six, but they're on the outside looking in at the moment. So, um, going back to our tiebreakers, the Vikings apparently have a better in-conference record or the Vikings beat the Cardinals if they played. I don't know if they did. But, um, so, the Cardinals are 8th right now. The Bears... Are ninth at five and seven. The Lions still have a shot. Oh wow! They are five and seven. The 49ers still have a shot. They're five and seven. 
and fourth in the NFC West. Hmm. You, it, fourth. Fourth. Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. At five and seven. Uh, the Washington football team is 12th. They have a chance. They're five and seven. They're second in the NFC East. Doesn't Same record as the Giants, by the way. So they obviously have a great shot to get in. Yeah. Because all they have to do is beat one team or get ahead of one team. And I imagine they still have a game against the Giants. Uh, I would think so by this point. Yeah. Um, the Atlanta Falcons still have a shot. Can you believe that? No, I don't. <laughs> They're four and eight. Oh, no. They're four and eight. No, I don't believe and that. And are still in the hunt. Um, the Carolina Panthers at four and eight, still in the hunt. The Philadelphia Eagles are still hunting. Now, these last two, again, because of the division they play in. Mm-hmm. Because the Eagles and the Cowboys are 15 and 16 in terms of if you seed it out. So, basically, every team in the NFC is still in the mix. Now, well, that's these just last because two, of the NFC East. These last two only because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagles 3-8-1, the Cowboys 3-9. and nine. So, both are still in play for the NFC East uh, division crown, which would get them into the playoffs. So, okay. So there you go. All right. So there's your NFL playoff rundown with most of four games remaining to play across the league. And unfortunately, we were not able to make contact with Teresa Walker. And, um, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> well, this is pointing because she's so good. Absolutely. She's so good. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get her back though. Oh, no question. Yeah. All right. Well, um, why don't we take a break then and come back and talk a little high school sports minus football? There you go. That's right. On to the hardwood. Uh, yeah. So um, we'll walk you through the, the remainder of the weekend schedule on the hardwood and um, at least one wrestling tournament. We got a wrestling result from last night. And, um, oh, look at you. Nice. Smiling with that remark. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Come on back, and um, we'll get you up to speed on some high school action in and around Murray County. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit (laughs) covenanttechnology.net. Hey, welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, joined by J.P. Plant, pushing the buttons, working the slides, um, clicking the keyboards, doing everything 
basically doing everything to keep us on the air. Mo, I'm I'm not not bad for stubby nubby fingers like I've got. Hey, I tell you what, work work with what you got. <laughs> work man. with what I got. That's work right. Work with what you got. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, it's Friday night, and there's no football, mm. which means I don't have to be cold. Yes. Which is a good thing. Yes, it is. I mean, we love football. But we love being warm, too. So, um, Friday night basketball schedule in and around Murray County. Big game tonight out at Zion Christian as Columbia Academy comes calling in a Division 2A District 3 doubleheader. Um, as we've talked earlier this week, Kalioka goes to Fayetteville. We managed to see both those teams earlier this week. Chris saw Kalioka um, take on visiting Perry County, and Perry County won that one. But Landon Andrews with a big 31-point effort in that loss. Fayetteville got their football players back just in time to go out to Mount Pleasant and defeat the host Tigers 52-40. And... That was Chris Murdoch's biggest takeaway from that game is now we get to go back and practice for three days with our football guys before we get Kalioka. Well, that that game is here. And Fayetteville looked pretty good Monday night, and it'll be interesting to see what they look like tonight. Um, also, Eagleville goes to Summertown. Hampshire, a few nights removed from a Big win to snap a 47-game losing streak. Goes to Perry County. Independence travels to Centennial for a District 11 AAA matchup. Uh, Mount Pleasant goes to Cornersville. Spring Hill goes to Ravenwood for a boys-only game as the girls, the Lady Raiders, continue to be in quarantine. Also, Summit girls go to Brentwood as um, Brentwood's boys are in quarantine. So that's the Friday night schedule. Santa Fe boys were originally scheduled to go to Collinwood with the Lady Wildcats in quarantine. That boys game has now been canceled as well. And Richland at Marshall County doubleheader has been canceled because both Richland teams are in quarantine. So COVID wreaking havoc with the Friday night schedule. On Saturday, Christ Presbyterian comes to Columbia Academy for a doubleheader, and Zion Christian goes to Grace Christian up in Leapers Fork. Again, Collinwood was supposed to play at Richland, but Richland is in quarantine, so that doubleheader will not take place. Um, on the mats, Spring Hill goes to Independence tomorrow for a big duels tournament. I think they got about eight teams over there. So um, if you're looking to get your mat fix, Slip on up to Thompson Station and check that out. Independence always does a great job with any tournament they're putting on. And they're usually on time, which is a big deal. I hear you talk about that. Uh, I, I don't have experience uh, of attending wrestling matches. Um, so I'm I'm always curious when I hear you talk about that. It's that, an acquired yeah. taste, for one thing. But, um, you know, as a wrestling parent, mm-hmm. you um, – some things you just come to realize, and one of them is nothing ever starts on time <laughs> and nothing ever finishes when you'd like for it to. So just comes with the territory. Um, Spring Hill last night traveled to Northwest for what was supposed to have been a four-way match with um, 
Greenbrier, Sycamore, and the host Vikings. Um, Greenbrier apparently had some COVID issues and was unable to attend. Spring Hill lost to Sycamore and wound up losing to Northwest on criteria. So basically that match was tied, and through the tiebreaker procedures, the host Vikings won that one. So um, the Raiders battling on the mat. Again, they'll be up at um, – they will be up at Independence on Saturday with about eight other teams. And I'm trying to locate that schedule because I know we've got it. And my interwebs are not commu- uh, cooperating at all. Uh, I think Siegel is supposed to be there as well. Obviously, the host, Eagles. Um, you're going to also have some girls and some junior varsity competition going on in that duels tournament Saturday up there. Man, our internet is struggling today. This is the uh, the wrestling. Yeah, is you that got, on your um, yeah the coaches poll? No article. Uh, I don't think it is. Not in its entirety. Not the schedule. Hang on, I've got it here. <laughs> I say that. Uh, Spring Hill, Green Hill, which is probably not coming because they had to cancel a duels match yesterday with Summit for COVID reasons, I believe. Good Pasture, Rockvale, West Creek, Siegel, and Pope John Paul II will be at Independence. So, nice little gathering of wrestling teams at Independence tomorrow. Wrestling will start around 9 o'clock. And like I said, it will probably start on time. There you go. That's that's a selling point, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, it is. Because parents love nothing more than sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, when are we going to start wrestling? And it's it's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I haven't, you know, I mentioned I haven't seen a whole lot of wrestling, haven't really been to a high school wrestling match. One, we didn't have wrestling in my school when – um, you when do I was now, there. though. We do now. Lawrence County does now, and they uh, they have done well. They've had some really good wrestlers. Luke December, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he um, he moved in. Uh, he was originally from Illinois, mm-hmm. and uh, he moved in. And he and his um, I think his father helped mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with a little bit. And they've had some other folks that have come in. Um, and they they've got a nice little program now. They've got some participation. And what's great about wrestling is when typically, particularly around here, when somebody starts up a program, everybody's excited to help them because they just want to see the sport grow in this area. And I think that happened with Lawrence County. Um, I think it's happened with, you know, Summit. And then I think it's happened in turn with Spring Hill and and Columbia Central. Uh, People just want to see the sport grow and when when you're putting some effort into getting it going and that kind of thing, you'll get you'll get help from places that you never would have imagined, because um, and I was talking to a a grandpa the other night, and it's just everybody just wants to see it grow, and everybody wants to see all these kids do well, um, other than that six minutes when they're <laughs> facing each other sure. actually on the mat. So um, it's fun like that. Uh, as as a parent, I'm sure you 
you know this quite well. Uh, there are obviously a lot of scholarship opportunities in the world of uh, wrestling. As, as So that's that's another positive of, of building these programs up, right? There are. I mean, it's um, obviously it's not to the scale of some of your, quote, major sports, just because we don't have wrestling, particularly here in the Southeast, to that degree. Um, there's a lot more self-selling and that kind of thing, getting out on the summer circuit and, and being seen. It, but there are opportunities out there. You just have to kind of – you have to work at finding those in that sport a bit more than maybe you would in some others. But, but yeah, there's definitely chances to, to go on. So it's a great sport. Um, even if you're not necessarily looking for to pursue a scholarship there, but if you – it's a good secondary sport for, you know, for your footballs particularly. Uh, it just – helps with so much i imagine discipline is a huge part of that because simply uh making weight Hmm. is is a big part of that right oh absolutely yeah it's it's huge i mean that's bruno reagan who we've got coming on in the second hour could tell you that there is so much that you get out of it you know the discipline like i said for football you know there's the hand fighting there's the footwork there's the leverage um one of the biggest things to me is, you know, there's no excuses. I mean, it's just you and the other dude or the That's other true. or the other girl, yes. as the case may be. And it's not, you know, he threw it over my head or or he missed a block or <laughs> anything. No, it's it's all you. So, you know, it that accountability is is really as much as anything something that you get out of it. It it's it's the ultimate one on one sport, right? Mm, yep. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's nothing that is more close contact one on one. I mean, than than that. There are lots of individual sports that you're paired up against, but it includes um, equipment. You know, whether it be fencing, whether it be tennis and the ball. Mm-hmm. This is just you and that and the, and your opponent. And, and and that that close contact mm-hmm. is really under scrutiny these days. <laughs> yeah, for for obvious reasons, I think there's a real fear of being able to complete the season, as we just mentioned, you know, um, Summit was supposed to go to Cleveland for a duels tournament this weekend. That's been canceled for for COVID reasons, you know. Summit lost a match yesterday against Green Hill for COVID concerns, and unfortunately I think we're going to see that a lot through the basketball and wrestling season. Um, Still don't know where the wrestling state tournaments are going to take place as we spoke with them. Bernard Childress uh, last week up in Cookville, you know, a lot of concern with that. The Williamson County Ag Expo is not available as it has been for the past several years. So, you know, wrestling by its nature and with everything else that's going on is is kind of up in the air right now. But at least they are getting to wrestle through the regular season, and that's always a good thing. What type of facility could hold a state championship wrestling match i think you're talking about some sort of a college gymnasium a gym maybe. would be the yeah, appropriate yeah, spot yeah. right someplace where you could put a number of mats down i mean you have 12 mats down at the ag expo oh, wow and i don't know i don't know that you're going to find any place that you can get 12 down but i think you know if they could get eight down they could work with that configuration i think it's going to be interesting to see 
how they approach it. There's already been talk of not allowing spectators that you just put cameras on every mat and let people watch remotely. And that way you're only allowing spectators, coaches, and officials in, which is probably a good idea, all things considered. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how that materializes here over the next few weeks. Certainly better than the alternative of not having it at all. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, hey, hour one without Chris is in the books. Um, it can be done. Hey. <laughs> We're, we love you, Chris. No. We are we are halfway home here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. When we come back, we're going to talk about a little Southeastern Conference football and um, particularly a little news that came out of the SEC offices in Birmingham yesterday about how and where you'll be able to watch football starting in 2024. So um, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Come back for hour two after this. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by The Rock Place, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, By Design Cabinetry, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years, specializing in orthopedic injuries. Their OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net. Hey, welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, joined by J.P. Plant, pushing the buttons, working the slides, um, clicking the keyboards, doing everything, basically doing everything to keep us on the air. Mo, I'm, I'm not, not bad for stubby, nubby fingers like I've got. Hey. I tell you what. Work, work with what you got, Work with man. what I got, that's work right. Work with what you got, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, it's Friday night, and there's no football, mm. which means I don't have to be cold. Yes. Which is a good thing. Yes, it is. I mean, we love football, but we love being warm, too. So, um, Friday night basketball schedule in and around Murray County. Big game tonight out at Zion Christian as Columbia Academy comes calling in a Division 2A District 3 doubleheader. Um, as we've talked earlier this week, Kalioka goes to Fayetteville. We managed to see both those teams earlier this week. Chris saw Kalioka um, take on visiting Perry County, and Perry County won that one. But Landon Andrews with a big 31-point effort in that loss. Fayetteville got their football players back just in time to go out to Mount Pleasant and defeat the host Tigers 52-40. And that was Chris Murdoch's biggest takeaway from that game is now we get to go back and practice for three days with our football guys before we get Kalioka. Well, that, that game is here. And Fayetteville looked pretty good Monday night, and it'll be interesting to see what they look like tonight. Um, also, Eagleville goes to Summertown. Hampshire, a few nights removed from a big win to snap a 47-game losing streak, goes to Perry County. Independence travels to Centennial for a District 11 AAA matchup. Uh, Mount Pleasant goes to Cornersville. 
Spring Hill goes to Ravenwood for a boys-only game as the girls, the Lady Raiders, continue to be in quarantine. Also, Summit girls go to Brentwood as um, Brentwood's boys are in quarantine. So, that's the Friday night schedule. Santa Fe boys were originally scheduled to go to Collinwood with the Lady Wildcats in quarantine. That boys game has now been canceled as well. And Richland at Marshall County doubleheader has been canceled because both Richland teams are in quarantine. So, COVID wreaking havoc with the Friday night schedule. On Saturday, Christ Presbyterian comes to Columbia Academy for a doubleheader, and Zion Christian goes to Grace Christian up in Leapers Fork. Again, Collinwood was supposed to play at Richland, but Richland is in quarantine, so that doubleheader will not take place. Um, on the mats, Spring Hill goes to Independence tomorrow for a big duels tournament. I think they got about eight teams over there. So um, if you're looking to get your mat fixed, Slip on up to Thompson Station and check that out. Independence always does a great job with any tournament they're putting on. And they're usually on time, which is a big deal. I hear you talk about that. Uh, I I don't have experience uh, of attending wrestling matches. Um, So I'm I'm always curious when I hear you talk about that. It's an acquired taste, for one thing. But, um, you know, as a wrestling parent, Mm -hmm. you – some things you just come to realize, and one of them is nothing ever starts on time <laughs> and nothing ever finishes when you'd like for it to. So just comes with the territory. Um, Spring Hill last night traveled to Northwest for what was supposed to have been a four-way match with um, Greenbrier, Sycamore, and the host Vikings. Um Greenbrier apparently had some COVID issues and was unable to attend. Spring Hill lost to Sycamore and wound up losing to Northwest on criteria. So basically that match was tied, and through the tiebreaker procedures, the host Vikings won that one. So um, the Raiders battling on the mat. Again, they'll be up at um, – they will be up at Independence on Saturday with about eight other teams, and I'm trying to locate that schedule because I know we've got it. And my interwebs are not commu- uh, cooperating at all. Uh, I think Siegel is supposed to be there as well. Obviously, the host, Eagles. Um, you're going to also have some girls and some junior varsity competition going on in that duels tournament Saturday up there. Man, our internet is struggling today. This is the uh, the wrestling. Yeah, is you that got, on your um, yeah the coach's poll? No article. Uh, I don't think it is. Not in its entirety. Not the schedule. Hang on, I've got it here. <laughs> I say that. Uh, Spring Hill, Green Hill, which is probably not coming because they had to cancel a duels match yesterday with Summit for COVID reasons, I believe. Good Pasture, Rockvale, West Creek, Siegel, and Pope John Paul II will be at Independence. So, nice little gathering 
of wrestling teams at Independence tomorrow. Wrestling will start around 9 o'clock. And like I said, it will probably start on time. There you go. That's that's a selling point, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, it is. Because parents love nothing more than sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, when are we going to start wrestling? And it's it's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I haven't, you know, I mentioned I haven't seen a whole lot of wrestling, haven't really been to a high school wrestling match. One, we didn't have wrestling in my school when, um, you when do I was now, there. Though. We do now. Lawrence County does now. And they, uh, they have done well. They've had some really good wrestlers. Luke December. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he, um, he moved in, uh, he was originally from Illinois mm-hmm. and, uh, he moved in and he and his, um, I think his father helped, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with a little bit and they've had some other folks that have come in, um, and they, they've got a nice little program now. They've got some participation. And what's great about wrestling is when typically, particularly around here, when somebody starts up a program, everybody's excited to help them because they just want to see the sport grow in this area. And I think that happened with Lawrence County. Um, I think it's happened with, you know, summit. And then I think it's happened in turn with spring Hill and, and Columbia central. Uh, People just want to see the sport grow. And when, when you're putting some effort into getting it going and that kind of thing, you'll get, you'll get help from places that you never would have imagined because, um, and I was talking to a, a grandpa, the other night and it's just everybody just wants to see it grow and everybody wants to see all these kids do well um other than that six minutes when they're facing each other <laughs> actually on the mat so um it's fun like that uh as as a parent i'm sure you you know this quite well uh there are obviously a lot of scholarship opportunities in the world of uh, wrestling, as, as so that's that's another positive of, of building these programs up, right? There are. I mean, it's um, obviously it's not to the scale of some of your quote major sports, just because we don't have wrestling, particularly here in the southeast, to that degree. Um, there's a lot more self-selling and that kind of thing, getting out on the summer circuit and and being seen. It, but there are opportunities out there. You just have to kind of, you have to work at finding those in that sport a bit more than maybe you would in some others. But but yeah, there's definitely chances to to go on. So it's a great sport. Um, even if you're not necessarily looking for to pursue a scholarship there, but if you, it's a good secondary sport for you know for your footballs particularly. Uh, it just helps with so much. I imagine discipline is a huge part of that because simply uh, making weight hmm. is is a big part of that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, it's Bruno Reagan, who we've got coming on in the second hour, could tell you that there is so much that you get out of it. You know, the discipline, like I said, for football, you know, there's the hand fighting, there's the footwork, there's the leverage. Um one of the biggest things to me is, you know, there's no excuses. I mean, it's just you and the other dude or the That's other true. or the other girl, yes. as the case may be. And it's not, you know, he threw it over my head or or he missed a block or <laughs> anything. No, it's it's all you. So, you know, it that accountability is is really as much as anything something that you get out of it. 
it, it's it's the ultimate one-on-one sport, right? Mm, yep. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's there's nothing that is more close contact one on one. I mean, than than that. There are lots of individual sports that you're paired up against, but it includes um, equipment. You know, whether it be fencing, whether it be tennis and the ball. Mm-hmm. This is just you and that and the, and your opponent. And, and and that that close contact mm-hmm. is really under scrutiny these days. <laughs> yeah. For for obvious reasons, I think there's a real fear of being able to complete the season, as we just mentioned, you know, um, Summit was supposed to go to Cleveland for a duels tournament this weekend. That's been canceled for for COVID reasons, you know. Summit lost a match yesterday against Green Hill for COVID concerns, and unfortunately I think we're going to see that a lot through the basketball and wrestling season. Um, Still don't know where the wrestling state tournaments are going to take place as we spoke with them. Bernard Childress uh, last week up in Cookville, you know, a lot of concern with that. The Williamson County Ag Expo is not available as it has been for the past several years. So, you know, wrestling by its nature and with everything else that's going on is is kind of up in the air right now. But at least they are getting to wrestle through the regular season, and that's always a good thing. What type of facility could hold a state championship wrestling Match. I think you're talking about some sort of a college gymnasium. A, a gym maybe. would be the yeah, appropriate yeah, spot, yeah. right? Some place where you could put a number of mats down. I mean, you have 12 mats down at the Ag Expo. Oh, wow. And I don't know I don't know that you're going to find any place that you can get 12 down, but I think you know, if they could get 8 down they could work with that configuration i think it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it there's already been talk of not allowing spectators that you just put cameras on every mat and let people watch remotely and that way you're only allowing spectators coaches and officials in which is probably a good idea all things considered so It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that materializes here over the next few weeks. Certainly better than the alternative of not having it at all. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, hey, hour one without Chris is in the books. Um, it can be done. Hey. <laughs> we love you, Chris. No. <laughs> we, are, we are halfway home here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. When we come back, we're going to talk about a little Southeastern Conference football and um, – particularly a little news that came out of the SEC offices in Birmingham yesterday about how and where you'll be able to watch football starting in 2024. So um, this is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Come back for Hour 2 after this. You're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. This is Front Porch Radio News on WKOM Columbia. Community members and local businesses have donated more than $65,000 to a reward fund for an ICU nurse who was killed on a Nashville highway last week. Police still looking into leads into her murder and have not arrested anyone yet. Caitlin Coffin shot dead as she drove along I-440 between Hillsboro Road and West End last Thursday on her way to her job as an ICU nurse. High school athletes in Tennessee no longer need to ask for permission to exercise their freedom of religion. The action follows an incident involving a Nashville volleyball player who was disqualified for wearing a hijab during a match. 
The athlete school proposed an amendment to the bylaws of the state's high school athletic association to let athletes wear religious headgear without having to seek permission. Yesterday, the association voted unanimously to adopt the proposed change. It really is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Columbia Police Department will host its annual Shop for the Cop fundraiser breakfast tomorrow, where each $5 ticket donation benefits the program. The fundraiser will run from 7 to 10 a.m. at Puckett's in downtown Columbia. Trinity Church of Spring Hill will be hosting one starry night from 4.30 to 6.30 Sunday. The event starts with a live nativity scene, including live animals you could pet at the church. There will also be a guided bus tour featuring Christmas light displays throughout Spring Hill. The church is on Buckner Lane in Thompson Station. And the Columbia Mall is being restored. Hull Property Group presented a proposal to Columbia's Industrial Development Board this week to redevelop the mall, which has sat mostly empty for almost a decade. The idea is to take an entirely new and modern approach to the 35-acre property and restore it as a central Columbia retail hub. And today is the 30th anniversary of the deadliest car wreck in Tennessee history. A dozen people killed and more than 40 hurts in a 100-car chain reaction crash on I-75 near the McMinn-Bradley County line. I'm Ron Jordan. You're up to date. And this is Front Porch Radio News. Welcome to Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Dedicated to exceptional service, the highest integrity, and your complete satisfaction. We're proud to serve all of Middle Tennessee with over 500 new and 125 pre-owned vehicles in stock to choose from. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram offers volume discounts from friendly and knowledgeable sales professionals or expert service from our certified technicians. That's how we became the number one Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealer in the state of Tennessee. You can count on us. Number one claim based on 2015 combined retail and fleet sales for Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in the state of Tennessee. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods is a full-service sporting goods store that supplies everything you, team, or your entire league need for sports. Call 388-8060 or go to jonesandlang.com. Apparel, equipment, fan gear, from postseason prep to customized trophies at season's end. They've been in business more than 50 years because they give you the best products, the best service, and the best prices possible. Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, located in Neely's Mill right here in Columbus. Call 388-8060 or go to jonesandlang.com. Hi, I'm Chris Chumley, owner of Expert Landscaping, LLC. Ever since starting my own company two years ago, the support from Southern Middle Tennessee has been tremendous. For that, I am forever grateful. Thank you for putting your trust into our company. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas from our family to yours. Expert Landscaping, where quality work is an investment in the future. Apex Bank is a full-service community bank, fully committed to giving back to our neighbors. At Apex Bank, our team works hard to deliver high-quality financial services that meet the financial needs of our customers and our businesses alike. We are proud to be part of the Middle Tennessee community. This is Danny Bingham inviting you to give me a call at 931-246-7105 or visit us at apexbank.com. Apex Bank, building stronger communities together. Member FDIC. 
Hello, this is Jamie Bowling for your local Columbia and Franklin Kubota. Whether you're new to our area or have lived here for years, Columbia and Franklin Kubota is a dealership you can trust for all your equipment needs. We offer a large selection of tractors, construction equipment, utility vehicles, and turf products, along with service, parts, and rental. Visit us online today at ColumbiaKubota.com or FranklinKubota.com. See why we're one of Middle Tennessee's fastest-growing Kubota dealerships. Hey, welcome back to the second hour of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, along with J.P. Plant, Chris Yao, on vacation, set to return on Tuesday, unless he just decides he likes it so much where he is, it stays a little while longer. Wouldn't blame him. No, no, uh... After he so uh, affectionately sent us photos. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, know, some people have to rub it in, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever makes him feel good. Um, No, seriously. um, It's been a long three months. So get you some rest, Chris. Come on back. We'll be here when you get here and we'll go from there. Uh, Big news out of Birmingham yesterday evening. Um, I think the upshot for most people is there is a finite amount of amount, finite amount of time that we have to continue to listen to Gary Danielson. <laughs> it, it apparently, what's your take on Gary Danielson, CBS? I don't necessarily have an issue with him one way or the other. I don't. He seems to rub a lot of people the he wrong does. way. But I, I, I don't necessarily get it. I I, I don't either. But, but that's that's the thing that. You know, when when this news comes about, or the potential of not doing CBS or CBS not having that game is, well, finally we get rid of Gary Danielson. Yeah, yeah. That was, and before that, they said that about Vern Lundquist. How can you say that about Vern? I mean, Uncle Vern. Uncle Vern. Come on. Yeah. He may have gotten a little uh, slower in his last year or two, but it's Uncle Vern. Well, I mean, everybody does. Yeah. You no, know, but it, it's Uncle Vern. It's yeah, Uncle I mean, Vern. <laughs> hey. Yeah. What about Eli being um, diagnosed with COVID? Oh, I had not seen that. I thought I saw that on on um, Twitter here. That would be Eli Manning. No, no, no. Eli Gold. Gold. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes Eli Gold. Yeah, I, I had heard that. Yes. Hopefully, he's and, better in time for the SEC I know. championship. And guy. he's been battling soldier shoulder surgery. Oh, that's right. From yeah, earlier in the year, and yeah. it's, it's couldn't hold his binoculars. That's right. Yeah, seems like somebody at Alabama would come up with something for him to. He's been battling through. You couldn't tell it by listening to the games. No, the ultimate consummate pro, no doubt. Yeah, you can hear those by the way on one hundred one seven WKOM. There you go, right, right here on right, the right same here. The same airwaves. Yep, yeah. on the Alabama Sports and the Crimson Tide Radio Network. Yeah, including Hey Coach. Hey, Coach. <laughs> um, the Southeastern Conference and ESPN have finalized a milestone 10-year agreement that grants ABC and ESPN exclusive broadcast rights to premier SEC football and basketball events beginning in 2024-25 and continuing through 2033-34, as announced by Greg Sankey, SEC Commissioner, and Jimmy Pitaro, Chairman ESPN and sports content. 
Yeah, this um, not a surprise that CBS was not a player in this new negotiation because uh, back in 1996 when they um, negotiated the current deal that they have, that was just for $55 million per year that the conference receives from CBS. Um, and it, it grew. <laughs> At the time, probably fair. Um, it obviously grew uh, because that was right in the heart of the BCS when the SEC – went on that run mm-hmm. uh, where they, uh, what, seven straight championships, that I think. That sounds about right. Um, and, and that really catapulted that CBS 230 marquee game into a stratosphere uh, unto itself in, in the world of college football. So, obviously, was not going to get a deal like that. CBS did not even attempt um, to negotiate. The price was just too large. Um, so, ESPN was negotiating against itself then? A, a Fox may have been involved in some degree. I don't know if they could have um, gotten into that. ESPN obviously made the uh, made the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily, I think you have the tie-in with the SEC Network, which is an ESPN property, right? Um, so it it makes sense that and you've got so many platforms yeah. to spread it across. Exactly, ESPN and and the Deuce and you, you and, and plus ABC, ABC. Yep. Well, just in terms of network, that's correct. Type options. So uh, the the terms, uh, this from uh, SI.com, the terms were not disclosed, but the annual fee is expected somewhere in the low $300 million range. Per year. Per year. As uh-huh. opposed to 55. 55. Now, that 55 was just CBS's portion. ESPN already is paying, you know, SEC. I, I don't know what uh, ESPN is paying the SEC now, but mm-hmm. still, for all of their exclusive um, live broadcast uh, content uh, in the low $300 million range uh, for that. Now, the the question that I had uh, raised in the first hour or that was curious to me is what happens to that 230 window? Is that still going to be the primetime game for the SEC primetime? In fact, that it's the best game, if you will. Um, this story uh, lends a little insight to that, that – the flexibility is going to be a huge part of this, that the best game will not be locked into that 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central that we're accustomed to time slot, uh, as it was with CBS. Uh, the conference will be assured a weekly 3.30 Eastern time slot on ABC. So there will be an SEC-ABC game every week at 2.30 Central, okay? So that mid-afternoon game. But... Um, uh, Pitaro, the ESPN exec, says, quote, a key factor contributing to our desire to get this done was scheduling flexibility and the ability to air key conference matchups on ABC or ESPN or both. Now, what this means is that it gives them the flexibility that if they want to put a game in primetime, you know, CBS had to go through hoops to get that Alabama-LSU matchup a few years ago. They have kept that, but that was a process. Now, each week, ESPN will have the option to put, um, have you know the standard two thirty central, or go prime time with their ABC Saturday night game, which could be an SEC game. It's never been an SEC game in ABC prime time. Meanwhile, this SEC release says the exclusive partnership with ESPN comes with significant scheduling flexibility that will produce an array of benefits for member schools, student athletes, and college football fans. 
Under the new agreement, a number of game times and broadcast windows will be announced in advance of the season, giving fans an ability to plan more seamlessly. Um, and it sounds as if those those games that are not set, you know, prior to the season will be set farther out than what we've become accustomed to, just to give more people a chance to to plan accordingly. Yeah, I think what they're going to do that have. Um is, is they'll have basically two broad windows that they can put these in. You can have the morning, early afternoon, or the afternoon, night. So early on in the season, a matchup will be put into one of those two categories. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, uh, that 2.30 covers both, but you know at least you'll have either a, a, like a 11 a noon kickoff or an early afternoon kickoff at 2, 2.30, or you'll have a 2.33 or a night game, so right. at least you have a ha- you have you can play on a half day. Right, right. Yeah, it says the agreement includes a number of significant elements that will benefit student athletes and fans alike. And one of the bullet points is introduction of a modernized, more fan friendly scheduling process with many game windows solidified earlier, while providing flexibility to maximize the exposure of the conference's biggest games. So, that's good news. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously they have the fans in mind when, with making some of these decisions, and that is the benefit to having a company like ESPN with its deep pockets of having the exclusive rights is it gives them the flexibility to best uh, project that content to the fans. Uh, so that is the positive to that. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, it's... 2024 before this it's a long kicks time in. away so <laughs> you know when, when you read that for the 2024 25 i'm like man we're still in 2020 that's a long time away it is i mean nobody that's currently playing that's right will likely be involved yeah. in this and probably several coaches <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's there's definitely that. Just probability, Ma- math, and you know it, it dictates that statement. So, <laughs> as, as as Chris would say, they they said, said there'd no be math. no yeah. math. There'd be no yeah. math. Yeah, but um, as I'm trying to get our rundown back up, and the internet is struggling. Um, I'll help you out. Uh, yeah. What I know we we want to discuss is. South Alabama has a familiar name in the mix for uh, one of their coaching positions. Yeah, which I didn't even realize South Alabama was looking for a coach <laughs> until I saw a tweet yesterday afternoon. But um, apparently Steve Campbell was dismissed over the weekend. We were busy this weekend. Yeah, there was a few things going on. Yeah, but Steve Campbell was dismissed after three seasons going 9-26. and 26. And so um, the Jaguars, speaking of Jaguars, decided to go in a different direction, as is so often the case. And I guess after going 9-26, and it shouldn't be too, too terribly hard to go in a different direction, but we'll see how that goes. If your goal is to win, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, apparently one of the options for the Mobile-based program is Mobile Native and current Tennessee assistant coach, T. Martin. What do you think about that? He, he's, been, he's been in the mix, or at least discussed, 
for some bigger jobs. Obviously, he's been uh, either a coordinator or um, a high-profile assistant coach, a quarterback coach, what have you, at some big-time programs. And a lot have – you've heard a lot mm-hmm. that he deserves that chance to be a head coach. What say you, Mo? I think he deserves that chance. I think I, I think he deserved that, deserves that chance on a bigger stage than South Alabama. But I feel like this would be a great opportunity for him from the standpoint that it's his hometown. And I, I think that he's been great in recruiting everywhere he's been. I think he'd be fantastic there in that regard. I think it would mean a lot to him. Um, I I just you know when you're talking about him making his head coaching debut clearly they've got some expectations in that program and I would hate for him to start slowly and, and kind of get short circuited there maybe he would get a little extra time and grace because he is a hometown guy i don't know i think that element might play into that where it might be a good spot for him because of that that he might have a little more leadway because he is the hometown guy yeah uh you would think you would hope but i am i i am really excited to see him become a head coach wherever that might be just to see what he can do you know i i kind of thought he might be in the mix at southern cal when the rumblings were that, you know, they might they might make a move with Clay Helton, it never took place, no, it and <laughs> it you know, and sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. That's right. So, um, Southern Cal is what fifteenth in the CFP mm-hmm. rate, rate yep. rankings this week. So, you know, maybe they feel good about not having gotten rid of Helton at this point. It's hard to say. It, it's hard to say, especially at a program like USC, yeah. where they're they're one of those blue bloods that they expect to be top five every year, regardless. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they're 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 far from that. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes you're kind of captive of your conference in those situations as well. It doesn't help them. That is correct. So, <laughs> but um, and you know, I'm not sure that. T being in the mix at South Alabama really helps things in an already unsettled situation at UT. (laughs) I mean, he's one of the guys that you would like to see stay on that staff regardless of what happens. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, he and he and um, Jay Graham are two you know, homegrown guys on that staff. And, and for the most part, you don't hear a whole lot about what they're not doing. So it seems they're doing a pretty good job in their current statuses as opposed to some other folks. Although, you know, if you're, if you're T Martin and if your goal is to become a top division one head coach, you almost have to go somewhere and be a head coach before you can get those opportunities uh, it's very difficult to uh, to fall into one of those having never been a head coach. Right. And a place like South Alabama in his hometown might be that opportunity, um, especially you know because you've talked about it. There's no way Tennessee's firing Pruitt because of the contract, regardless of what happens. Right. Um, so he's there at least another year, maybe two. We'll, we'll see. Um, you know, let's say T. Martin goes down to South Alabama, has a couple of winning seasons as a head coach. Tennessee's 
decides to make a change, then he'll be in prime position, I think in a better position for him being a head coach of South Alabama with a winning record than he would being part of that regime under Pruitt. That's a heck of a point. That's a heck of a point. That's um, It makes too much sense for him not to take it if he's offered. That's a great thought process there, and I think that's going to bear watching. Um, another situation that's going to bear watching is what direction Vanderbilt goes in to replace <laughs> Derek Mason. Absolutely. And um, the Commodores get set to take on visiting Tennessee tomorrow, 3 o'clock kick. And so when we come back from this break, we're going to catch up with former Vanderbilt offensive lineman Bruno Regan and try to get some insight into both of those developments here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay with us. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, along with J.P. Plant, Chris Yao, um, playing hooky today. On assignment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is. He's her, on assignment. Her, Miss Sarah, on assignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's good. That's good. Hey, um, we were talking a little college football here in the last segment, talking a little... Um, coaching movement talking a little scheduling and so we figured we'd um reach out to former Vanderbilt lineman Bruno Reagan a contributor with vandysports.com to get his insight into some of both of those as Vanderbilt gets set to take on visiting Tennessee three o'clock tomorrow afternoon and finds itself in the midst of of a coaching search following the recent dismissal of Derek Mason. Bruno, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Not much, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, appreciate you coming on with us for a few minutes this morning. Let's let's take the most immediate thing first. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, windless on the year, getting ready to take on a struggling Tennessee team. Uh what are your thoughts about this matchup at Vanderbilt Stadium tomorrow afternoon? From a matchup perspective, it doesn't. They're both obviously they're both depleted teams and they both have their own issues. I think I think Tennessee has the edge from a matchup standpoint because where Tennessee's deficient at is basically their pass game. I mean, they've had the quarterbacks drawn out, but they have an extremely efficient run game. I was watching the Florida game 
just last week, and I was like, wow, these guys can run the football. And if there's any way they're going to win, it's doing that. Now Vanderbilt has had notorious issues, not just this season, but for the past two to three seasons, stopping the run. And now Vanderbilt's down to about 45 scholarship players, and I mean, most of them are their big-bodied guys. So we're going to have we're going to have DB type bodies playing in the linebacker position. We're going to have some linebacker types playing on the edges in the line. So we're going to match up pretty pretty badly in the offense and defensive side. Now Vanderbilt's offense with Ken Seals. They've been rolling all season. They took a little regression against Missouri, but before that game, they were building and building and building, and obviously Tennessee's defense has been, you know, subpar, but I think Tennessee has a little bit of an edge just with the matchup on their their offense versus our defense. You know, um, again, with the coaching change, with Derek Mason having been dismissed, with Todd Fitch, the offensive coordinator, being installed as the interim coach, do you um, – do you feel like maybe that offense takes another step forward here this week, or you know, do you have any kind of feel for that? Um, I feel like they're going to pick back up where they were in terms of progression. I think we're going to see more efficient in third down. Oh, pen- they've, they've been a little pen- penalty, like they've been penalty happy in their past few games. If they cut that out, keep turnovers down to the room, that's going to be a huge thing for this game too, whoever wins the turnover battle. Because Vanderbilt can score. They didn't against Missouri, but – they, they have the opportunity. They've played a lot of teams close. I mean, look at their first game against Texas a and If they had that offense, they might have won. But throughout the whole season, they've been building, building, building. And then they've had a few drops here and there. They're going to look back to it. I don't think the immediate coaching change for Fitch going into interim, I don't think that's going to introduce a crazy step. They're just going to keep doing what they try to do. They've been trying to build things on the edge. They've been more successful. They've been trying to build into the screen game, which hasn't been too successful, but it's still something kind of has a team for. So, they're just going to pick up right where they left off. Uh, Bruno, this is JP Plant. Thanks for taking time with us. Um, on on Saturday afternoon, if I were to put on my Vandy hat, and I probably will um, mm-hmm. as a fan, but what I'm interested in, I think the most, is to see if the effort is there uh, from this uh, Vandy football squad uh, because it's really – kind of personal pride at this point you mentioned the depletion of uh, the roster or the number of roster scholarship players that they have available and some of those matchup issues but this essentially is just going to be a pride game for the Vandy players and if you can't get uh, your your personal pride up enough to compete against uh, probably the biggest rivalry in Tennessee then uh, they probably don't need to be out there what's your take on how you maybe see that happening yeah, so I mean, I've watched I've watched most of the games this season. You know, I was watching some earlier, but when I started contributing with rivals, I was taking it more in depth. And effort hasn't been a problem with these guys at Vanderbilt at all. Maybe here and there, and then you see that sort of trending with the opt outs. But for example, like like I mean, guys like Dial, they were who did opt out, but he has an NFL future. They were guys that were giving effort 100 percent of the time they're out on the field. And the guys that are going to be out there, I mean, if you're playing. In a, on a team with 45 people and you're one of the 45 still there, that's basically half a roster. I mean, you love the game of football and you're going to go out there and you're going to compete and it always means more with Tennessee. And I still know some of these guys personally and I know how much this game means to them. It's also their senior night. You know, it's been a tough season. COVID has made it basically one of the – college football is basically a prison to be in right now and you got to grind through it. These guys are going to try – put a stamp on something in this season, you know, try and get something positive out of it. I think we're going to, we're going to have no issues on the upper part from Vanderbilt's side. Coach Pruitt said it best. When you play Vanderbilt, you're going to get their best out of this rivalry. So, you know, Bruno, you, you mentioned 
some of these guys you played with. Um, now that you are kind of in a journalism type role, how do you balance what you say and and do you feel them, you know, being hesitant to necessarily talk to you or anything like that as far as that goes? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Even even guys who are uh, and that and that's fair. There are guys, and I don't know everybody on that team, right? I'd say there's like five, six, seven who I'm really close friends with still, and they call me for things like advice and stuff. And obviously, it's off the record, is it? <laughs> and and when I when I started up with when I you know agreed with Chris to work on Bandy Rivals. Um, you know, we had this. That was this was the first conversation we had. I was like, you know, this is obviously a conflict, and we'll try and avoid it at all costs. And I feel like I did it for the most part. There are some times where you know, it, it is tough because I wanted my first priority is to do right by those guys, right? I mean, they deserve that for for pushing through and trying to make trying to push the Vanderbilt brand right now. I mean, they're the ones that are out there putting in the work. I I need to try and you know help those guys out best I can. But there's also the integrity part of it to where. When it comes down to the reporting, I never take my news from them. I never talk. Most of my stuff comes from outside of that locker room, which, I, which I'm very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was extremely tough for Coach Mason still to coach there because I have all the most respect for that guy. I mean, I attribute a lot of my personal success to him and the way I carry, the way I carry myself in life. So it is tough, but it was an opportunity I was afforded, and that's part, of, that's part of the business. I'm trying to work with it. And if I can get through a season like this, I mean – I feel like hopefully we'll have more, less conflicting pastures ahead. But it, it definitely was a challenge this season. Yeah. Speaking with former Vanderbilt offensive lineman Bruno Reagan, Reagan, I'm sorry, um, now a contributor with VandySports.com. Bruno, um, it's been a hectic last few weeks, obviously, with um, with the Sarah Fuller situation, with Coach Mason, mm-hmm. um, with – Dio opting out with you know there's been a lot of news to come out of Vanderbilt here over the last little bit one do you feel like the Fuller situation is starting to die down a little bit yeah I mean I knew I, the second I heard that it was going to happen I knew it was going to be a big story I didn't know it was going to be as big as it was I knew it was going to be a big story um but that's how these things go you know it kind of hits you really hard but now it's back to you know now it's back to the football aspect of it and it's always been about the football aspect to me. The thing about the Sarah thing was it got a lot of – that's why I was, with the conversation I did have with guys on the team, I was like, listen, all eyes are going to be on you. And they played Missouri that week. They didn't play well. But I was like, all eyes are going to be on you. Like, take this as a, take this as the best thing that could happen. Everybody's going to be watching. Go out there and try and put a product on the field that you can be proud of. You know, because the game of football is unrelenting, though, especially in the Southeastern Conference. So, it didn't roll their way. I, I know I've been most by Missouri before, and it's a tough schedule. But – um, that's the way I told them to look at it, and that's the way I want to. I haven't taken any, like, you know, people like to go one way or another with a story. It's not all black and white, but it's been a crazy, crazy few weeks on the beat. I think this is probably going to be the craziest weeks on the beat that I'll ever have, <laughs> and it's my first, like, it's my first, like, four weeks on the job, so it's been fun. I've, I've just taken it in stride and just had fun with it. Well, and, and I think that's how you have to take it. But like you said, it's not always like this and you've, you've been around the program long enough to know that. And I'm sure that helps, but um, yeah, this is certainly a <laughs> one heck of a breaking in for you. I'm sure. Speaking of yeah. the coaching situation, you know, um, there were a lot of names that, that surfaced mm-hmm. early on and, 
I think some of the names that did surface were kind of surprising in that uh, I think there was an overarching why would X be interested in that job. But um, I think we're finding out that there is some genuine interest from some folks who would make really good coaches in that program. You know, what – what are you hearing here of late? Because, again, that seems to be something else that has kind of died down. JP and I were speaking earlier on the show that it's kind of, there's, they've kind of gone to radio silence on this deal. Yeah, so really recently uh, things have really picked up with two candidates. And they were, they were two of the top three that we named out, and that's Clark Lee, who was already interviewed, and now Will Hilly, just as of today, is starting to get I – I had a source uh, hit me up you know, about two to three days ago. And they were like, you know, I think Will's going to get it. But it, I get those, you get, when you, when you do this thing, you get those call, kind of calls all the time. I've heard so many different names I've heard and it's incredible people, but it's just, that's how crazy these things can get. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who's exaggerating, who's not. But I think now that the dust is starting to settle, Clark Lee is obviously a huge interest. I mean, he has all the ties. He, he didn't fit the AD's, you know, direct description, but he, he would be a good hire. And from what, I, from what I've heard from everybody, you know, they'd be happy to have him as a coach. And Will Healy has made this resurgence. Jamie Chadwell was the third of the top three that we were speculating. And, you know, things that we were, we were pretty certain that he was getting real close to it. But it turns out that was not the case at all. And now we're left with, you know, these two candidates. They also interviewed Jerron Hay, who was uh, – or Jonathan Hay, sorry, who was my coach at the Battlehawks. And they've also interviewed uh, Lance Leopold at Buffalo who are two who are two good candidates in their own rights too. But I think when it the dust settles we'll see either Clarkley or Will Healy become the head coach. Where is Charles Huff in the mix? Is he in the mix? He is in the mix, but um I think those when you get so from the way I understand the process so people know, is that these search committees they bring out, you know, it's not more of a short list, it's not a long list, but it's a medium list. I can assure you he's probably on that medium list. But from there that's when they start discussing and they start, you know, setting out interviews and stuff. As far as, you know, what I've heard from him on the inside, I don't think he's had really connected interest. You know, there might be a conversation here or there, and some people might sell it as an interview, some people might not. I don't think he's been on the beat too long. You know, the longer the search grows, the more they go down that list, that could be an option. But as of now, I think they're still on us. They're still, they're not zeroing in necessarily, mm-hmm. but there are people getting more interest than others, and that's important. Bruno Reagan, our guest on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Middle Tennessee Bone and Joint. So you you feel comfortable saying it's down to two? It's a two horse race now with Clark Lee and Will Healy. Uh, as you asked me right when the search started, so the first day the search started, I didn't know who Clark Lee was. I, played <laughs> I didn't either. This guy, right? So <laughs> and then come three days later, I've done my research. And I'm like, this is the guy. This guy screams Vanderbilt. And I, I was telling everybody, I was like, dude, this is probably this guy's job to lose, right? And then Chadwell starts picking up team, especially after the BYU game. It was Chadwell mania right now, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> Mohawks and all. But um, <laughs> but now that that now that that trend has sort of settled, I think uh, I think I you know I'm back to my uh, Lee. Lee is like Lee is like the safe choice, right? He's the safe date. But then you have Will Healy kind of coming up, and that's someone you might want to take a risk on, kind of deal. And those, if I had to put money on it, it would definitely be on those two. Well, he was more of the underdog, I'd say, but he picked up some steam today. So I like the way you phrase that, that, that Clark is kind of the safe choice, and, and I think that's pretty accurate. I think he's the choice that a lot of people are going to be comfortable with given his Nashville and Vanderbilt 
ties, given his current position as defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, I think that's a name that a number of Vanderbilt fans can can kind of embrace for all those reasons. I think Will Healy, you know, the fact that he's not been uh, connected with a Power 5 program may be a little bit of a drawback for some folks, but he's definitely an offensive mind, and he has definitely done a a a stellar job at both places he's been kind of raising the um, the visibility and the performance levels both at Austin P and at Charlotte so that's um if those are the two horses it's going to be a heck of a race yeah and that's what I'm, and when I when I talk to people I mean most people are going to be happy with one or the other I think more people are comfortable with Lee you know Healy Healy is an easy sell for guys like me and you who have been around the deal and we've seen what he did at Austin P that's basically mission impossible and he did it right <laughs> as so, a Clarksville native you would know that better than a lot too so yeah absolutely both my parents went to Austin P and I remember specifically my dad was like I had my first scholarship offer was to Austin P and my dad was like you're not going to Austin P <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I get it and I always I've always been a fan and the fact that he turned that thing around I mean I'm now I'm basically a forever fan then he goes off to Charlotte Gets into the first bowl game and they had that video of him crowd surfing without like a shirt on or something. Like I was sold, right? Now obviously they're having a tough season. They're having a tough season this season. I cut nobody any slack, right? I and I was I was critical of Vanderbilt this season because I mean you're winless and everyone's dealing with COVID. Everyone has to struggle through it, and I don't want to cut Coach Healy some slack. And it's going to be tough to sell to people who don't know Coach Healy like maybe we do. I think it's going to be a tough tougher sell, but he's an offensive mind head coaching experience. He doesn't have that power five experience, but he's that young, energetic. I think a lot of people want that Franklin-esque type guy again, and he could be that type of guy. Not the same, you know, mm-hmm. but but he has a lot of those traits. And I, I would be happy with him as a hire. I know he was a finalist for Missouri, so he's had the interest in these kind of jobs. Bruno, this is JP again, and you know you talked about those attributes, uh, the charisma that Will Healy possesses. Obviously, something that Candace Lee, AD at Vanderbilt, has uh, put out there. She actually said that in the press conference when uh, she made the news about Derek Mason, um, and that offensive mind is there. Something she also would uh, prefer if if pinned down, I think. But Clark Lee, obviously the Vandy guy, but a defensive guy. If he is that guy. What is your take on who he could bring in as an OC? Because I think that um, in order to sell Clark Lee on those types of things that have already been pushed out there, yeah, obviously a safe choice. I think still a good choice, and safe may not be a fair word for him. I know what you're. I know what you're saying, but um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of um, what Vandy may need on the offensive side of the ball, you bring in a defensive guy. His offensive coordinator will be his biggest hire without question. Absolutely. Listen, I think people are – I think you see a lot of people throw out, oh, Vandy should just run the triple option, or we should go to an air raid, or we should go to a spread. I think those air raid and spread, that works if you have the elite athletes, right, and you want to kind of dumb down the offense and make things one word, beat people with tempo and athleticism. Uh, that's, that's an option. I don't think that's going to happen at Vanderbilt. I don't think the triple option is necessarily the answer either, but that could be a longer conversation. I am a true believer in the pro style because the pro style can do things like get yourself in advantageous situations. It can, you know, it can actually negate the talent gap more than you think because it get, if you have a smart quarterback like we had with Kyle Schirmer, he has like four plays he can call off the line. I mean, 
So you can redirect one way or another. Because listen, I was I, I like to think I was a decent player, but I was not the, as athletic as those guys across from me on the line. I know that for a fact. And that, that the pro style kind of plays into that, right? And the most important reason why I think the pro he'll, he should bring in a pro style guy is Ken Fields. Number one, we have to get, keep that kid here. I mean, that kid is as talented as anybody I've ever seen throw the football, you know, in person, right? I truly believe that. I think he has a lot of mechanical stuff. Now he needs to mature and stuff. That's why this season was good for him. He got to, you know, go out there. You know, we got to see his competitive spirit, see how he reacts under uh, pressure. It was all good. He got to learn under Kyle. Kyle was there with him, you know, as a volunteer coach at Vanderbilt. So I think you have to play the personnel you have there right now. And what they're doing now is a pro style, and it's working, and it can be a lot better. And that's why I think Clark Lee should go. But the pro style isn't as uh, – it's not as sexy as a thing as what people – want so it's it's a different type of sell but i think i truly think it's a successful way to go at that goal that's bruno reagan former vanderbilt offensive lineman now contributing with vandysports.com bruno thanks so much for joining us and bringing your insight both on this weekend's game against tennessee and into this coaching search and um we'll probably be touching base back with you here before um this this thing wraps up so thanks for coming on with us Sounds good. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, I appreciate it. That was Bruno Reagan. And um, when we come back here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, going to dive back into the SEC and um, some other games coming up this weekend and recognize a loss in the entertainment community from the past 24 hours. It is Friday, after all. It is Friday. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay with us. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Hey, welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, along with J.P. Plant, heading into our final segment of the morning. And um, got some football, if not to my, tonight, definitely tomorrow. SEC football. Yeah, tomorrow's Saturday. It is. Because today is today Friday. Today is Friday. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, SEC slate. It's a little short. I guess there's one game missing, but um, or two. We got but, a couple missing now. Well, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are not playing 
They were scheduled to That's play correct. tomorrow. That's correct, yep. Um, but we've got one, two, three, four, five games scheduled. And that happened this morning, right, overnight? No, I don't think so. Did that happen yesterday? Uh, uh, I think that one's been off for a Has while. It? Texas, okay. Texas I may, I may have just missed it last night as I was rolling through these. Yeah. But we got a couple of 11 o'clock kicks. Um, Georgia is at Missouri. It's 11 o'clock start. You got the TV info over there probably. I do. Uh, I do. Uh, Georgia, Missouri will be on the SEC network. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also at 11 central time. Top-ranked Alabama travels to Fayetteville to take on the Hogs. That'll be on ESPN coming out of game day. Okay. All right. The 3 o'clock game, as we discussed in the last segment with Bruno Reagan, is Tennessee visiting Vanderbilt. That's on the SEC? That is correct. And that's the only game in the conference in that window. That's right. Because the latter two are evening kicks. At 6 o'clock, LSU goes to SEC East Division champion Florida, uh, six o'clock start. Six Where o'clock on ESPN. Okay, and at six thirty, Auburn and Mississippi State tee it up in Starkville. SEC Net. Hmm. And you know we we talked about uh, earlier the new contract that ESPN is taking over all rights for broadcast. CBS is uh, is no longer a player beginning twenty twenty four. Well, this is at least, I think, the second time this year that CBS, their game has been uh, postponed and they haven't had a game. Mm. And that, that is the case uh, this week, their game, a and they were, were they supposed to have Ole Miss and a and Yeah, Ole Miss A&M was going to be a 7 o'clock. Oh, so they were going to be prime their prime time. time. That was going to be their prime time slot. Uh, I guess they had two of those locked in mm-hmm. for the year. And they took Alabama, Alabama LSU, LSU last week. Yeah, uh, And this was going to be their second one. And it got canceled. So CBS does not have a game this week. So a little, a little taste of what it's going to be like in 2024. Yeah, I'm sure they're loving that. Um, <laughs> top 25, what else are we looking at tomorrow? Top 25, uh, we'll uh, pull this up here. And uh, I know um, that uh, it's really interesting with the college football playoff because, you know, um, the Ohio State thing and um, – them not playing Michigan this week, they're only at five games now. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously kind of kind of the big news uh, from that. But um, but as we um, as we pull things up and look at what we've got, uh, of course, we already mentioned a couple of SEC that will kick off in the eleven o'clock hour. Also, Northwestern, who will represent the Big Ten West right. in the championship game, they're fourteenth in the country. They host Illinois eleven a.m. Um, on ESPN two. Saturday morning, uh, Utah will be at 21, 21st-ranked Colorado on Fox at 11 up in Boulder at Folsom Field. That's a place I'd like to go. Hmm. Uh, it looks like a, a, nice, a nice atmosphere up in, uh, up in Boulder. Uh, 2 o'clock Central from Troy, Alabama, 13th-ranked Coastal Carolina is uh, heading down to Alabama to face the men of Troy. At Movie Gallery Stadium or yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, I th- it's it's um, 
It's always been known as Veterans Memorial Stadium, <laughs> but I think it does have that movie gallery uh, distinction it, with it. It, it did. At yeah. Any rate. yeah. It may have been off because it has Veterans Memorial Stadium here. As the, uh, I, I think since there are no movie galleries, there's probably no movie gallery <laughs> stadium. Yeah. No blockbusters, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's at 2 o'clock. Also at 2.30, uh, here's a spicy ACC matchup. 17th-ranked North Carolina at 10th-ranked Miami from Hard Rock Stadium. Hmm. Okay. Nearly 80 degrees at kickoff for that one Saturday afternoon. On December 12th. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, slightly cooler temperatures for this one at 2.30, Wisconsin at 16th rank, Iowa. <laughs> 35 degrees and forecast of a little snow in Iowa City. 35? That warm, huh? Yep. Uh, that's on FS1. Uh, by the way, the North Carolina-Miami game on ABC. Uh, the Wisconsin-Iowa on FS1 at 2.30. Always fun watching a game in the snow. Doesn't matter who it is. Especially when you're inside. Uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we mentioned uh, the 6 o'clock LSU-Florida game. Also at 6, 22nd-ranked Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are in Texas to take on Baylor at in Waco. And uh, that is at 6 o'clock. That's on ESPNU. Uh, we mentioned the uh, USC Trojans, The um, I guess the original men of Troy. Uh, they are at their crosstown rival UCLA, uh, 6.30. 71 degrees, mostly sunny skies. What's left, actually, it'll be clear. It won't be, the sun won't be up by 6.30, even even in L.A. But It'll be 4.30 there. Um, that's true. That's true. 6.30 Central, yeah, that'll be 4. Yeah, they'll still have some sun. Yeah. It'll be like the Rose Bowl. Um, Three-point favorite for USC, by the way. Hmm. Okay. Over UCLA. Uh, not where, a, where is that game being shown? Uh, Rose, uh, oh, where? ABC. Okay. ABC has that one. Um, so... I guess so they'll we'll be see. coming out of North Carolina, Miami mm-hmm. into that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. a nice doubleheader for ABC. Yeah. Real nice doubleheader. Uh, and let's see if they have um, an 11 o'clock game. I, they don't. Okay. They don't have an 11 o'clock game. Uh, elsewhere, it is we'll – scroll back up. And finally, only one other game in the top 25 that is playing is uh, San Diego State at 18th-ranked BYU. The Cougars dropped – a ton of spots after mm-hmm. their loss to Coastal Carolina. 32 degrees of kickoff in Provo on uh, Saturday night on ESPN2 uh, for that game. There is a Cougars going to Myrtle Beach joke out there that <laughs> will just kind of let you come up with your own punchline sure. on that one. But, yeah. Um, and, and real quick, Mo, top 25 games that have been canceled or postponed at, at this point, um, they're kind of all one and the same at the end of the season. Michigan at fourth-ranked Ohio State is canceled, mm-hmm. so no makeup there. Ole Miss, Texas A&M says postponed. Mm, could be played next week. Next week, the uh, SEC does have a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, Cincinnati at Tulsa. This is two-ranked teams. Eighth-ranked Cincinnati at 24th-ranked Tulsa. That game canceled. Mm. Canceled. Oklahoma, 11th-ranked at West Virginia Morgantown. Canceled. Purdue at 12th-ranked Indiana. Canceled. 20th ranked Texas at Kansas, canceled. I'm sure Kansas doesn't mind. Okay with that for Kansas Jayhawks. They've already moved on to the hardwood. Yeah. They, they moved on to the hardwood uh, uh, Labor Day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, looking, looking over these SEC standings, as we sit here on December 11th, the only team that has completed the 10-game all-conference schedule is Kentucky and South Carolina. 
So wow, out of fourteen teams, that's worth something. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have a little luck involved in that because you know be a lot of luck. Involved. That's uh, Either, that dance is a two way street. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the other right. team has to be available. Uh, available. Yeah, yeah. So um, interesting to take a look at that. Um, before we get out of here, want to mention the the news that came across social media and elsewhere late yesterday evening. Um, Tommy Tiny Lister Jr., um, 62 years old, first came into prominence, I guess, wrestling with Hulk Hogan in WWF um, in the late 80s. He was in the movie, too, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. No holds barred, is that right? That's it. That's it. And um, wrestled as Z Gangster <laughs> in WCW. Later went on to fame as, in a lot of corners anyway, as Debo in the Friday franchise. He appeared in the um, the first two of those, Friday and um, next Friday. Died yesterday at the age of 62. Six foot five, 300 pound, tiny lister. Tiny. Yeah. Um yeah, he was um in Friday. He was in next Friday. Did not appear in Friday after next. Was also in the movie um, Posse. Hmm. You may or may not be familiar with it. It was a western with Mario Van Peebles. No, no, yeah, don't been, know that from one. the mid nineties. Check it out. It's it's not bad. You know, I was thinking why he may not have wanted to, or may he was not in the Friday after next is because he probably didn't want to get knocked out again. That could very well be because Craig Sorry. went to work on him yeah. at the end of Friday. Yeah, I was, I was, was holding on to that. that. There you go. That was, <laughs> that was tough. It's my bike, you know. Yeah. Oh, he did love his bike. <laughs> he he loved Red's chain, too. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> tragic loss for the, the acting community there with the loss of Tiny Lister. You know, Maurice, today uh, we talked about um, – you know, Chris loves both kinds of country music, uh, both country, music, country, country and western. western. We it. talked about both types of uh, the real sports of wrestling, Rest- wrestling and wrestling. And wrestling, yes. yes, yes. We hit them both today. Tiny was big on the wrestling, the wrestling scene. Yeah, not so much in wrestling. He was a standout track, well, not track, um, field athlete. Apparently, um, won the Division Two shot put. Back in 1982 with a 61-foot, 8-inch effort for Cal State Los Angeles, not to be cons- uh, confused with UCLA. So. Cal State Los Angeles. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So right. an accomplished athlete outside of the wrestling ring. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, we made it. That's fun, Mo. That's fun. Uh, yeah, let's do it again Monday. Let's do it. Because um, – Chris doesn't return until at least Tuesday, maybe later. But um, JP and I will be here with you again Monday talking over all of the events of the weekend. So come back with us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Have a great weekend, and stay cool, Columbia. There you go.